Contrary to what some believe, Jesus is immutable. With a brief look at this important truth, here's Pastor Ed Ray. Jesus remains. He is eternal, always has been, always will. He is our rock in a changing world. He will not change. He is eternal. He is immutable, the technical word. His unchangeableness is set for all eternity. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place God will dwell with man. Sit behind and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son. Selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. What a comfort to know that Jesus is eternal and doesn't change. He's unlike the capricious gods of the ancient and modern religions. These gods offer no real assurance, but our Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well, hello and welcome to Grow in Grace. In Hebrews chapter 1, our text for today's broadcast, we learn that Jesus is not only better than the gods of this world, but also better than the angels of heaven above. This is made clear in Hebrews 1 and in an Old Testament scripture found in Psalms. Beginning on that point, here's Pastor Ed. You are my son, today I have begotten you. David is referring, remember David was the king who wrote most of the Psalms, half of them anyway. So I want you to think as we go through this, most of this, these Old Testament scriptures are Psalms written by David 3,000 years ago. Jesus was A.D. and B.C., right at the zero year. But before that 1,000 years is David. Go another 1,000 years further back, you have Abraham. So those are the markers. Abraham, 2,000 B.C., David, 1,000 B.C., Jesus at zero, and us now, 2,000 years later. So we're reading something that's 1,000 years before Jesus appeared on earth. So David is saying that he is the son of God. That's where this is going. God has never said to an angel, you are my son. Now, don't be confused, but the angels are called sons of God, but always in the plural. He never speaks of a single angel as the son. There is only one, the son of God, God the son. Second part of this verse is another scripture, 2 Samuel 7, 14. I will establish the throne of his kingdom, God speaking, the throne of his kingdom forever, and I will be his father and he will be my son. There is only Jesus as the Son of God. So the most important event is Jesus coming to earth and, of course, dying on the cross for us. But that God became man. That's what he's pointing out. God became man and walked among us. Father God is God the Father. Jesus is God the Son. That's the argument here. God and man together in one person, the God-man, as the early reformer said. So, he is God the Son. This was not another visitation of angels like to Manoah and his wife. Jesus 
is not like Balaam with his donkey that suddenly saw an angel standing in front of him with a flaming sword. Is not like Elisha's servants at Dothan. You'll remember when the servant woke up and he woke up Elisha and he said, look, we're surrounded by the Syrian army. And Elisha rolled over and said, Lord, open his eyes to see the hosts of heaven. And suddenly the servant could see the angels of the hosts are the armies, the armies of heaven. Now, you know, Renaissance painters have not helped us with this idea. We see little fat cherub with bows and arrows. Not, not at all. Sistine Chapel is amazing, but there's angels everywhere, and they're all little fat babies. No, that's not what an angel looks like. In fact, do a little word study in the New Testament. Whenever an angel shows up, what's the first thing an angel says? Fear not. <laughs> but you're 60 foot tall, and is that a flaming sword in your hand? Fear not. God sent me. You're okay. It's all right. But this is as magnificent, intelligent, probably beautiful, powerful, these created angels are. That's not who we're talking about. We're talking about God, the creator, the son, the sustainer, the judge of all the earth, of all the cosmos. Verse 6, but when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all the angels of God worship him, capital H. He's talking about the son. Now, the word firstborn has been abused. It does not mean the first one born. In the Jewish mind, it's the most important. It's a position of priority, not of birth. It's not a birth position. For example, Esau and Jacob. Esau was born first, but he is not called the firstborn. Jacob is called the firstborn because he's the one that the lineage would go through. David, King David, was not the firstborn, but he's called the firstborn. Confusing? No, no. They meant it as a position of rank and honor. Let all the angels of God worship him. So, how superior is the Lamb? The angels worship Jesus. They fall down before him and they worship him. Listen, Revelations 5.11. This is John, the apostle, writing, who knew Jesus, walked around with him for three and a half years. Here's what he said. And behold, I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, and they sang with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain. Who are they worshiping? Jesus, the lamb that was slain. Well, just how many is 10,000 times 10,000? We want to, you know, we're careful about decimal points and numbers, not so much the Greeks. It's actually myriads of myriads. It's 10,000 times 10,000 or 100,000, but what do you do with thousands of thousands? It's like a saying, it's like a gazillion, okay? More than you and I can count. What did they sing? They sing of Jesus' worth. All of the angels worship Jesus. He does not worship them. John Bunyan said of this verse, the guy that wrote Pilgrim's Progress, if Jesus is not God, then God himself is promoting idol worship in heaven. No, 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 no. No, he's not. You shall have no other gods before you. Jesus is God. Wow. He's not through yet. Verse 7. And of the angels, he says, 
Who makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire? Makes the angels ministers a flame. This is Psalm 104, verse 4. Angels are the servants of God. That's what the word minister means. We sometimes miss that today. A servant. They are sent from God to serve you. Amen. Somebody said, yes. Bring it on. Bring in the servants. <laughs> Jesus emptied himself and became a servant. The angels always have been. Okay. First section, Jesus is better than angels. Second section, Jesus is God. Verse 8. But to the Son, capital S, he says, your throne, O God. Whew. We could stop there and go home. That settles the argument. It's to the Son. Father God said, he calls him God. Father God calls Jesus God. Well, wait a minute. Yes, Jesus is God. God the Father calls the Son, Jesus, God and Lord. So who am I to argue with God? Father God states his son. Thomas said, my Lord and my God. John the apostle wrote in his gospel, in the beginning was the word and the word was God. And the word came and dwelt among us. Paul, we just saw over in Titus, the book we finished just before this, Titus 2.13, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearance of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we're dealing with the creator of the universe, God the Son. He gets clear. Verse 9. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. God, your God, has anointed you. The Greek word for gladness here is, means literally leaping for joy. We won't be doing that as a regular part of our worship because, uh, you know, most of you can't dance and it's not pretty. But it would seem that Jesus was dancing. Moving along so we can get through this. Verse 10. You, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. God created. Jesus, God the Son, created. I just quoted you from the Gospel of John and what we saw in the first three verses last time. This is a repeat of that. It's actually Psalm 102, verse 25. Of old, you have laid the foundations of the earth. How old? I don't know. Nobody knows. Somebody was wanting to argue with me after the first service. I don't know. I wasn't there. You weren't there. Nobody was there. I don't know if it's 13.7 billion years or it's a few thousand. Here's what God said to Job and his friends when they were pontificating about all that they knew. God says, Job, stand up. I have some questions for you. This is Job 38, 44. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who has set its measurements? Do you know? Or who has stretched out the line? Who measured it? On what are its bases sunk? And who casts the cornerstone? How does the earth hang there in space? 
Well, it's simple. It's gravity. Really? Explain that to me. When the morning stars sang together, Job didn't know the answer, and none of us do. But there's some things here we need to pull out from it. And we'll do that in just a moment. But first, we wanted to pause here and welcome those who may have just joined us. We're glad you're with us here on Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. And we continue now in Hebrews 1, verse 11, with Pastor Ed. They will perish. What will perish? All the creation, the foundation of the earth, the heavens, the work of your hands from the verse before. They will perish, but you remain. And they will all grow old like a garment. Who's he talking about? He's talking about Jesus. He's still talking about Christology. Can you find Jesus in the Old Testament? Here it is, Psalm 102. Of old, you have laid the foundations of the earth, the thing we just read. But you remain. They will perish, but you remain. Jesus remains. He is eternal, always has been, always will. He is our rock in a changing world. He will not change. He is eternal. He is immutable, the technical word. His unchangeableness is set for all eternity. But what are they going to do? They will grow old like a garment. Now, if you have any science background, you'll track with me and, and you'll be excited, as excited about this as I am. Garments become threadbare, we would say. The creation is growing threadbare. That's literally what it says here. They're being changed here, even now, this moment. They will perish. This is a 3,000-year-old psalm describing the second law of thermodynamics. Eh? You remember junior high science? The increase in entropy goes on. We are moving towards disorder. That's what this is saying. King David knew that 3,000 years ago. Why are we so excited about the second law of thermodynamics? The increase in entropy of disorder, randomness, is happening around us. That's what this says. But any scientist worth their salt will say that's exactly what's going on. The earth is wearing down. How so? Give me some examples. Well, the earth's rotation is slowing down two milliseconds per century. Now, this is a, a collection of 15,896 photographs from the International Space Station and the Hubble. That's an aurora borealis going by. And notice the curvature of the Earth. Someone asked me the other day, you know, I just read a study that said that the Earth is flat. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, no, no. It is not flat. Well, how do you know, Pastor? That's why I'm showing you this, okay? That's how you know the Earth is not flat. That is a picture of Britain, and now those are shots of the cities around Northern Europe. This is the, uh, the middle of the United States. Notice the curvature. <laughs> Notice that it is a sphere. Galileo discovered that, by the way, about 400 years ago when he saw the moons going around Venus. Here we have coming up again. That's England going by. And this whole process of the Earth spinning is slowing down. That's what he's seeing here. Two milliseconds, actually 2.3 milliseconds per century. That's not very much, so not to worry. It's not going to stop tonight, okay, while you're sleeping. 
but it is wearing down. That's what the point here. The polarity of the North and South Poles are decreasing. They're decreasing by actually quite a bit. 5% in the last uh, 200 years. So, like I said, it's not going to happen tomorrow, but the sun is being consumed. It is, in fact, converting four hydrogen atoms to one helium atom, and the result is that it doesn't burn up completely. The idea is that a great deal of energy is being released, but it is, in fact, decreasing. We don't know how old the sun is. Again, nobody was there, but stars die, and it is a star. That's what this verse is saying, that it is growing old, and someday it will turn to nothing. It will bulge up and grab a hold of the earth, and uh, like I said, how, well, if it's 4.6 billion years old, so scientists say, then this star has got another 5.3 or 5.4 million years before it burns out. So again, sleep well tonight. It's not a problem for you or me. The point is, the comparison is that God doesn't change. He will never change. That he has always been the same. God is love. God plans on taking you into eternity with him. Verse 12, a continuation of this same verse. Like a cloak, you will fold them up. Another translation says like a, like a, a scroll, you will roll them up. The heavens are going to be rolled up. That doesn't compute. I know, I don't understand it completely, but this worn out garment, God's gonna say, okay, that's enough. Listen to Isaiah 34, four. All the host of heaven will wear away, hosts being stars, planets, supernovas, etc., And the sky will be rolled up like a scroll. Revelation, New Testament 6.14. And the heavens departed like a scroll when it is rolled together and every mountain and island were moved. So we have Old and New Testament describing the end of this creation. But you, God, are the same. Jesus, your years will not fail. You will always be there. The creation is not eternal. The creator is. That's the good news. Last section, 13. But to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool? This is Jesus' position right now. He's waiting for Father God to say, now is the time. This is the most quoted Old Testament verse in the New Testament about Jesus. Matthew 22, 44, Mark 12, 36, Luke 20, 45, and Acts 2, 35. This is the position Father God made for Jesus. And this position was given to Jesus, the very one that Satan wanted. You'll remember, Lucifer attempted to get this. But to which of the angel? Answer is none. Jesus is superior to the angels. It was given to him. Verse 14, last verse. Are they not all ministering spirits? Remember the word ministering means servants. So the Living Bible translates this, but angels are only servants. They are spirits sent from God to care for those who will receive salvation. That's you. That's me. God sends angels to care for you and I. Now, some people take this to the point of a guardian angels. I don't know. Jesus talks about the little kids, the little be careful to not stumble them because their angels are before the heavenly father. I just know that I'll put it on myself. When I get to heaven, if there is a guardian angel, he's going to say, Phew, 
That was a lot of work. Okay, so a couple thoughts here. One, so what is it that we have been called to be and to do? Many years ago, a student of an Old Testament professor at Yale, his name was Frank Bush, and he is writing about an encounter. He says, I was, as a freshman, brought before the professor because uh, my behavior was so much less than what the professor expected of a Christian student. After discussing the matter, he crowned his long recitation. I crowned it with the excuse, after all, I'm only human. <laughs> he said the professor jumped to his feet, raised his voice about 16 decibels, and shouted, only human? Do you realize what you've just said? Sit down. Only human? You mean made in the image of God, son? Made a little lower than the angels and in Christ? Given the power to become greater than the angels? Only human? Someday you will be called on to judge angels. Only human? You have been given dominion over the earth and every living creature on the face of the earth. The greatest of God's creations the only creature able to think the thoughts of God, the object of his love, and the one for whose salvation he sent Jesus to Calvary? What do you mean, only human? Silence reigned in the room. Finally, I said, I guess I've been less than what God wants me to be. I'm sorry, I'll do better. But I read that to you because that old professor dumped the load of what you are and what I'm called to be. And it's a pretty astounding list of things that God's called you to judge angels, really? Yeah, really. What are these angels? Close with this. This is from Billy Graham's book called Angels, God's Secret Agents. John Patton. Patton was a missionary, the first missionary to come to the New Hebrides Islands on the Pacific Rim off the coast of New Zealand. It was 1856, after being there a few months, a frightened and interesting encounter took place. One night, hostile natives surrounded the mission station intent on burning out the Pattons and killing them and eating them. Patton and his wife prayed during that terror-filled night that God would deliver them. At first daylight, they were amazed to watch their attackers quietly leave. A year later, the chief of the tribe was converted to Christianity. Remembering what had happened, Patton asked the chief what had kept him from burning down the house and killing them. The chief replied in surprise, there were many men with you around the house. Patton knew that no other men were present, but the chief said he was afraid to attack because he had seen hundreds of big, tall men in shining garments with drawn swords circling the mission. The station was guarded by angels. We're going and growing through Hebrews right now on Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. If you missed a portion of today's study, simply go online to thepackinghouse.org and you'll find our programs are archived there for you. We can also send you a CD copy if that's preferred. Here's where to reach us, 844-77-GRACE. Again, that's 844-77-GRACE. 
Our prayer is that you'll grow in grace through this study of Hebrews. And if a question comes to mind, or you're in need of prayer, or would just like to express something that's on your heart, please do email us at packinghouseradio at aol.com. Again, packinghouseradio at aol.com. Today, we'd like to offer you an inspirational book from Elizabeth Elliot called Through Gates of Splendor. This classic bestseller recalls the story of five missionaries who dared to share the good news with a Stone Age tribe deep in the jungles of Ecuador. And while they were martyred for their faith in Jesus, their story lives on, inspiring thousands to follow in their courageous footsteps. Through Gates of Splendor, our featured resource is available for a gift of any amount to grow in grace. You can give us a call at 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. And thank you for helping us get out the good news of Jesus to a world in need. Pastor Ed Ray writes a daily devotional that you can access through our website. You can read these biblical and relevant devotionals at thepackinghouse.org. And look for us on His Channel TV, where we're studying Colossians right now. Our series in Hebrews continues next time we meet, and we hope you can join us for that. This has been Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray, a daily presentation of the Packing House Christian Fellowship. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place gotta dwell with man. Sick be healed and the crippled stand singing Son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I said, Let this world know me by your.